0: I had a few thoughts on what to call this morning's message and it kind of stemmed like God was doing stuff in my life but what are we about three weeks ago now I had um, no surgery that's why I still feel a little bit like I'm underwater but <laughs> we're still recovering but getting there in um, any way My wife Ruth was taking me into the hospital to have the operation and I went, oh, you know, I'm a little bit anxious about this and not so much about the operation, because I just figure they know what they're doing, (laughs) but more the, the pain and the recovery afterwards. And she said this real simple statement to me and that was, you have to let go of the old before you can receive the new. You have to let go of the old before you can receive the new. So I kind of all stemmed from there, really. So I came up with these super cool ideas for the title this morning, like maybe you'd call it the God of the Third Option. Do you know how you have option one, option two? Sometimes God has another option that we haven't really thought about. Or even calling it Plan C. Plan A, Plan B, and maybe there's a Plan C. But, you know, then I spent some time in prayer and just felt, led by the Holy Spirit, to um, call it a super spiritual title. And hopefully it might help you remember things. So I entitled it, Fee and Chicken Poo. thought that was way more spiritual. Fee and Chicken Pooh. So that's what I want to share about this morning. So let's just read some scripture around this together. Before Wes thinks this is going way off track. This is from Matthew fourteen, twenty-two to twenty-eight. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. "'It's a ghost!' they said and cried out in fear. But but Jesus immediately said to them, "'Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid.' "'Lord, if it's you,' Peter replied, "'tell me to come to you on the water.' Come," he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out, "Lord, save me!" Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. "You have little faith," he said. "Why did you doubt?" And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. I thought it's an interesting point there. when they climbed into the boat, we don't often really ponder this, but how did Peter get back to the boat? He obviously grabbed Jesus' hands, looked to him, and walked back to the boat. (laughs) And those who were in the boat had a worship service, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret, or something like that. And when the men of that place recognised Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. It's a story I'm pretty sure we're all familiar with. It's interesting, actually, just to reflect. Didn't plan this at all, but we seem to be camped around this chapter as a church over the last few months. We've had several messages around it. But anyway, you might be thinking to yourself, how does Fiji and poo relate to that story? <laughs> well, bear with me and hopefully it'll all come together. But you know, the Fiji and poo comes from an experience I had in my life. Very profound. When um, it was after we had about a week of rain a month or so ago, and we don't have a Whijoa tree at home. But our neighbours have a feijoa tree. So we get good feijos. But I should point out, the tree is hanging over our fence. So I'm pretty sure legally, that's ours. <laughs> I do prune it a little bit on that side to encourage it to grow more on our side of the fence. And anyway, where, where this feijoa tree, I was about to say our feijoa tree, where this feijoa tree is, that belongs to the neighbours, is on our property. It's in our chicken run. They might be starting to link things together here. And for those of you who know anything about Fijoas, you don't pick Fijoas. You wait till they fall on the ground, and then they're perfect to eat. But don't pick (laughs) Fijoas. Remember that. Write that down in your notes. Um, And anyway, so it had been pouring with rain, and I went down to feed our chickens, and I had our little boy Jaden in one arm, and there's a whole lot of Fijos had fallen on the ground. And I went, oh, it'd be really cool just to take the Fijos back now. I didn't want to put Jaden down because it was all wet and muddy and chicken poo everywhere. And so I scooped up as many Fijos as I could on one hand and carried them back to the, the gate at the end of the chicken run and tried to open the gate. A little bit tricky with a baby in one hand and Fijos in the other hand. Dropped a whole lot of Fijos on the ground. So I sort of like kicked them through the gate <laughs> shut the gate, picked up as many feijos as I could, made my way back to the house, and then went to open the door. Of course, guess what happened? I dropped a whole lot of feijos on the ground. Anyway, picked them up again, walked inside, and then guess what I did? I shut the door, and guess what happened? I dropped a whole lot of feijos on the floor. (laughs) Anyway, all of that to say, God spoke to me really clearly through that. And he basically said these words, don't try to carry too much in your life. Don't try to hold on to too much. Or even fruit that can look good can fall to the ground, get bruised and be ruined. So sometimes we actually need to let go of stuff in life. We need to release some things to God. Some things, like I said, that may even look good to us, And if we're honest, we hold on to them because they look good to other people. And because it looks good to other people, we go, well, it makes me look good. I don't want to let go of that. But is it actually what God's calling you to? And you know, this is true. If we don't let go of some stuff, we may never be able to grasp hold of what God wants to give us. Other times... The, things, the thing we need to do is release our control in life. Now, is this true saying. You can handle it if you hold it differently. So rather than holding something in a tight fist and trying to control it like this, if we actually hold things with our open hand and give God the control and God the ownership, we can still he will allow us to carry it and give us the strength to carry it because we're not trying to do it in our own strength, if that makes sense. Or I've heard it said this way, you could lift a lot more if you will loosen your grip. So if we're always trying to strive, just do things in our own strength, we can carry and handle way less than if we're allowing the Father to do it. And if we hold on too tightly to that which is behind us, I can't actually fix that. But now if I'm holding on to that too tightly, which is behind me, I can't grab hold of that which is in front of me. Now some of you might remember last time I spoke here, which was about four years ago. No. <laughs> um, that I had a door handle illustration. Except it was a door handle to nothing. It was just a door handle. But sometimes we try to hold on to our own door handle and God's got another door he wants us to go through over there. Yeah, that's right. But we, there's no way we can get there if we're just holding on to a different handle that God's telling us to let go of, God's telling us to put down. Only then can we ever step into our new season. It's the thing, isn't it? We love to be in control and we love to, we would prefer to be able to step into our new season and then let go of the past, then let go of the old door handle, then let go of the comfort zone. And God's going like, no, let go of that and step out. Step step out of the boat. Only then can we step into our new season. I don't know if anyone else has felt it this year, but I've kind of felt like it's been a real different season, especially with COVID and lockdown and all of that that's gone on. Just in the, in the practical, it's been quite a different season, hasn't it? And I believe in the spiritual too, God is calling us into a new season, both personally and as a church. But you know, what determines what becomes your new normal in this season is this, it's not whether God changes your heart, but whether we change our habits. It's not whether God changes our heart, but whether you change your habits. Is it possible that in times of frustration and when we can't see God moving, that God is actually trying to get you to unlearn the way the world works? He's trying to get you to unlearn the way the world works, the way the world thinks, the way the old world operates, so that you can learn how he works. I love this statement. could have been said by Dr. Zeus, but I don't think it was. You just gotta let go of some things that you know. You just gotta let go of some things that you know. It's not God making your heart new that's hard. It's making your habits new. That's the challenge. Making your habits come into alignment that the new heart God has given you. God is saying to us today, I want to shatter the patterns that have kept you in prison and set you free in your life so you can worship me. I thought this is a good way to put it. Sometimes when we think about that, God is trying to set us free. He's trying to set us free from what? God is trying to set me free from me. It might sound like a weird statement, but God is trying to set me free from me, from who I think I should be, from what I think I need to do, to actually his purpose and his identity. You know, one thing I've learned is that sometimes when we try to move forward in life, we get stopped. Not because of our giants, but because of our thoughts. Thoughts. We get stopped not because of our giants, but because of our thoughts. I want you to remember this don't get caught by a thought. May have also been something Dr. Seuss said, but I don't think so. (laughs) Don't get caught by a thought. Because, you know, we can easily get caught by a thought, not because of something that's actually bigger than you, but because of something that you have made bigger on the movie screen of your life. Question. How many of you have been to an IMAX movie? You know what I mean by an IMAX movie? It's basically a movie screen that's, like, huge. You think of a normal movie theatre screen? Multiply it by about 10, at least. And it's pretty much like an immersive experience. And you sit there and the screen's like, whew, And you really feel like it's reality. It's this IMAX movie screen. And how many of us, that is kind of how our, our imaginations work, how our minds work. I know I saw a, a similar, it wasn't really an IMAX, but it was a massive movie screen over at Franz Joseph on the West Coast. You go in there and they had this um, Glacier experience, where for people who are poor, like me, (laughs) um, and can't afford to take a helicopter up the top of the mountains, you can jump into this movie theater, I think it's about $12 entry to get into the whole theater, and you can sit there, and there's this massive screen that goes around, and basically it's like you're sitting in the front of the helicopter. I absolutely loved it, Ruth hated it, (laughs) at one point, you're flying along this river up in the bush. It's like zooming along really fast, and all of a sudden, you come to the edge of a cliff. And this waterfall goes over the cliff, and the helicopter just goes... And you're like, whoa! I thought it was fantastic. But anyway, how many of us have such a vivid imagination that we can blow things up to be all different proportions, way bigger than they are? and it actually becomes reality to us. You know, before entering the Promised Land, the whole nation of Israel caught a thought, and it made their faith weak. The truth was, actually, that God had given them the land. He'd already promised it to them. They could have had the land. It wasn't already, in a sense, actually theirs. God said it. I will give you this land. Now I've got another scripture there from Numbers 13. This is after the spies had been into the land and they came back. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that story but there was, um, two of the spies came back carrying a bunch of grapes slung on a pole between their shoulders. There's one guy at the back and one at the front. That's how big the grapes were. So pretty cool. But people who lived there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Oh, not Anak. (laughs) The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jibbisites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. And there's more. (laughs) I was thinking, did I finish that? But the men who had gone with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living up. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, giants. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Sounds a bit like a good um, plot for an IMAX movie, doesn't it? <laughs> So I want to say this this morning. While the enemy can't change God's promises, like the promise was to the Israelites, I'm giving you this land. So the enemy can't change God's promises. But if he can get hold of our faith, if he can weaken our spiritual immune system, if he can sow seeds of discontent that cause us to walk away from what God is calling us to walk into, if the enemy can get to your faith, and cause it to be disrupted by something that your eyes see, that your ears hear, or that your mind imagines. Hopefully I can say this right. The enemy can't take away what God has promised. He can't move that, so what he wants to do is move you. God's promises are still true, but the enemy wants to move you. Move you from a place of believing that God has said it, God has called you, God has chosen you, God has set you apart, and God has qualified you to do it. If you're not believing any of those things this morning, the promise is still true, but maybe the enemy has moved you. The problem is, if you're like me, I hear two voices simultaneously. Let me explain. It's kind of like this. On one hand, I see the size of the grapes, that big bunch of grapes we are talking about. I see the size of the promise of God, and I know the size of my God. On the other hand, I hear all the reasons why, like the other spies were saying, all the reasons why a great big God would never use a puny little person like me who was born in a tiny little town called Blenheim. Sorry if you lived in Blenheim or grew up in Blenheim. I lived there for 30 years. And even as I preach this morning, I'm caught between two thoughts. I mean, some of you are looking like you've never heard a better sermon in your life. Or <laughs> well, one or two, maybe. <laughs> Others, on the other hand, wish like when they came in, they had actually chosen to sit sit closer to the back, like Phil, (laughs) so that they could slip out more easily without being noticed. (laughs) Stay there. (laughs) So don't get caught by a thought. I mean, which one of those am I going to listen to? I could listen to that second thought that was like, oh, no one's going to listen. It's like, oh, it's going to sit over here. <laughs> anyway, don't get caught by a thought. So, point one, let things go. Point two, don't get caught by a thought. Point three this morning, it may be a more Christian title for the sermon God's Third Option. You know, we have to be willing to, to do these things. That's point one and point two. So let things go and to not get our thoughts caught up. We have to be willing to do those before we'll even be willing to consider, entertain the thought, even in the slightest, that there might be another way that God might have another plan. He might have a third option. He might have a plan C. So I've got Caleb telling me this one thought. You should. You can. We should go into the promised land. Then I've got 10 other spies. Have you ever noticed that if we're making decisions like this, Sometimes there's often more reasons why we shouldn't than why we should. It's like, oh, I'd love to, but oh, all these reasons why. Can't really afford it. Probably won't work out. What will other people think? But I'd really like to. <laughs> yeah, there's often like seems to be more negative things in our mind that stop us stepping into the new. I want to ask you a question this morning. Thinking about the spies that go into the Promised Land, what's the number one rule for a spy? So it's not spies just back then, spies today, if you're in the C, what are CIA. CIA, that's the one I was going to say something, rather else. in the CIA or the Secret Service or anything, what do you think the number one rule for a spy is? Don't give away your identity. What was that? Don't give away your identity. Don't give away your identity, yep, that's a good one. Yeah. Have fun. Have fun. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. You're not a spy, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts? Don't get caught. Don't get caught, exactly. Everything else sort of comes on from there. The number one rule for a spy is whatever you do, don't get caught. Don't get caught. So Moses sent the 12 spies into the promised land and said, don't get caught. Excuse me. But you know, the fact is, all of those spies got caught. Well, ten of them. Ten of them got caught. Not by the enemy, but by their insecurities. They thought, we're not big enough, we don't have enough. We can't, they're more powerful forgetting that God actually can. I believe there are some listening this morning, be that here or online, and you're hearing two thoughts. One thought that says God can restore all things. God can restore all things. The other voice saying that you've wasted far too much time in your life. You've stuffed up far too many times. Now nothing good can ever happen in your life and God is not going to be able to use you. Which one of those is true? The first one, God can restore all things. But so we're caught between two thoughts. So, usually in life, we're making decisions. We often see things as black or white, that our options are this way or that way. We seldom think that God is the God of the third option. Let's look back at our beginning reading, but this time from John's Gospel, chapter six. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. I thought that was quite cool. It didn't come up in the other gospel about it, but the fact was when they, when Jesus got in the boat, it was like, ta-da! They were on the other side of the lake. It's pretty cool. What a powerful miracle to have witnessed firsthand. I bet you the disciples were pretty... Happy, actually, having spent hours and hours through the middle of the night rowing the boat into the storm. Halfway across the lake, Jesus comes along and we're at the other side. I would have been glad about that. You know, up until that day, getting to the other side of the lake, there was two options. One, sailing across the lake. Two, option two, walking around the lake. They were the two options. I guess you could say swimming across might have been an option if you're incredibly fit. So I looked it up. That lake is 13 kilometres wide. Bear in mind, there was also a storm. Also, as best as historians can figure out, it would have been between 3am and 6am in the morning. So if you consider that swimming 13 kilometres an hour in a storm at 3am in the morning is an option, good luck, but I just want to suggest this morning there's really only two options. But hang on, hadn't anyone come up with the idea back then? It would have saved so much time if somebody just figured it out and went, why don't we just walk across? I mean, come on, like... Why didn't anyone think of that? Strange, I reckon. But Jesus changed that. Because he does. Jesus changes things. He offered a third option. And the physical water doesn't actually hold us up like that. You can swim in it if you're good at swimming. But you try walking on water this afternoon. See how it goes. (laughs) I have actually tried it a couple of times. I just went... Wouldn't it be cool if I could? Well, I no, can't do that. Sink. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> often in life, when confronted by decisions or choices, we only look at stuff that does make sense to us, that we know. Option A, option B. They make sense. I want you to remember this this morning that often God's third option, God's plan C, doesn't make sense doesn't look possible often it's like what the nah that wasn't god i just had like way too much pizza last night or something my imagination's running away with me but hang on maybe it's the holy spirit maybe it's jesus tapping us on the shoulder going i've got a better way do you want me to tell you So Jesus comes along and changes everything. He says, I am above everything. I am above every circumstance in your life. I am above above every situation. I believe God wants to show us in our lives that he is the God of the third option. And you might be listening this morning and saying, well, what does that look like in my life today? Absolutely fantastic message, King. Thanks. But what does it look like in my life today? Which is a fair enough question to ask. I believe many listening are faced with decisions in life. You may even be at a major crossroads. Jesus is saying that it doesn't matter where you're at or how hopeless the situation might seem, that he comes to offer a different option. So let it go and don't get caught by your thoughts. Don't get caught by wrong thoughts. For Jesus has come to offer a third option. And maybe, just maybe, I can suggest to you this morning that God actually wants to operate in his miracle working power in your life. That's for all of us. Don't just go, oh, it's for Weasel or somebody else. But no, it's for everybody. God wants to operate, He wants to release into reality His miraculous power in your life. But you know, if we reflect on the story of the storm and the disciples in the boat, here's another question for you. When did Peter experience the miracle working power of God in his life? It was when he stepped out, right? He could have sat in the boat and said, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in your miracle-working power. I thank you, Father, that you can do all things in my life. And you're amazing, and I worship you. And I just pray that you'll move in my life. How often do we do that? But he didn't. He actually had the... I was going to use a different word. He had the guts to say, Jesus, if that is you... Tell me to come, tell me to step out. And it was only then when he stepped totally out of what he knew, which was plane A, they were trying to sail across, which ended up rowing across because too stormy. Into God's plane C. Maybe there is a walking on water option that Jesus wants you to step into. A third option that God is offering to you this morning. Now I'll just get the band to come up, if that's good. That'd be great. I just want to close with this thought. And this kind of came about from another personal experience that I've been reflecting in life going through a few months earlier in this year um, prior to COVID and over that time. We're all in bubbles funny thing isn't it we never talked about living in bubbles before this year and everyone goes like oh who was in your bubble <laughs> kind of a funny thing but anyway so during the time of living in my bubble I'd gone out late one evening to do the grocery shopping and as I said I was going through a frustrating time in life just feeling like I wasn't really stepping out and to what God was calling me to. That I was playing it safe. That I was following either plan A or plan B. And a lot of those things I was doing, not all of them, but a lot of those things I was doing actually looked really good. And looking from the outside, you could have said, oh, Kent's life seems pretty sweet. He's got it sorted but I wasn't really feeling very fulfilled. And it was pretty much because I knew, without putting it into words, but I knew that there was something else. That something else was God's plan C, God's third option that he was calling me to step into. And I won't go too much into what that was this morning, but other other than to say, it's gonna require me to lay down things in my life, even things that look good, even things that in church might look good. But if I'm honest, some of those things, at times I was carrying, and I was carrying too much, but I was carrying because it made me look good. And fruit that I was carrying was getting dropped, and it was getting bruised. And I wasn't able to step into what God was calling me to. And so anyway, I went out grocery shopping late one night. While it was a bit quieter, not so many people there, you know, stay away from bugs. Don't want to catch anything. Sometimes God chooses inconvenient times to speak to us, right? Yeah. So it wasn't actually a particularly spiritual time. It wasn't like I was walking around the supermarket, um, praying in tongues or anything like that. People are going, oh, weird, freaky guy. <laughs> but anyway, I, I was just finished my shopping, was driving back home. And I was literally, I pulled into the driveway and God said this statement to me. I believe he's saying it to people today. How long are you going to fight against the purpose I've created you for? So you might be in life thinking like, it's pretty cruisy, I've got life under control, this is what happens, this is what happens, it's either plane A or it's plane B, it's option one or it's option two. But yet, there's a sense of lack in life. There's a sense of frustration. There's a sense of, shouldn't there be something more? And I believe this is what God's saying. How long are you going to fight against the purpose I've created you for? I'm gonna invite Al forward soon in a minute. We're just gonna share communion together. And as a response, if you'd like prayer to respond to this, if you feel that, yep, that's me, I do feel like I've been playing it safe. I do feel like I'm not stepping into what God has. I'm willing to lay some, not sure if we're allowed to say this at church, but I will. I need to lay some crap down. I need to get rid of stuff in my life, even if it looks good. So my fee joe is don't drop in the chicken poo. (laughs) I need to lay stuff down, because you know when God said this to me, I knew it was true. I literally had to stop the car at the end of the driveway, and I just bawled my eyes out. And I was probably doing that for about 10 minutes, trying to compose myself before I went inside. I shared it with Ruth, and I ended up saying it was a bit of a blubbery write off in our lounge for a few minutes. You know, sometimes it actually, the thought that has caught us is just pride. We don't want to admit to ourselves that we're frustrated in life. We don't want to admit to others that it might look good, but I feel like life's going nowhere. So this is what God's saying. How long are you gonna fight against what I've called you to? How long? And you know, I think not just personally, but also we need to actually take this on as a church. As I mentioned at the beginning, seems to me like we've had three or four, if not more messages over the last few months, all camped around the scripture. Get out of the boat, step out, trust in me. I have another option. I have a third option. I have a plan C and I believe maybe, just want to pose this as a question, both to us as a church and individually. Maybe it's time, maybe it's time to step into that purpose that he has created us for. Let's just pray. Father God, I just thank you that you have created us all uniquely, all individually that you do have an awesome plan and purpose for our lives. Help us, Father, not to get caught up with wrong thinking and caught thinking that you can't use us. Help us to be able to let go of those things that we need to let go of, whether that's just being too busy or even if the things look good. May we have the boldness to let go to let go of these.